Well, we are uh, doing a Summer in the Scriptures again uh, this year, and, uh, and you, let's turn on the overhead lights because I'm going to have you uh, open your Bibles and, um, and uh, study a little bit together, so grab a Bible, everybody. Is it third year or fourth year we've done Summer in the Scriptures, something like that? Do you, you, know, it's, you understand it's a very transparent uh, set of goals we have here, right, gang, around Summer in the Scriptures? We just want you to know that our, we're people of God's Word. We're people of the book. And so we're going to read the scriptures together. So this year, this summer, again, we're reading through the New Testament together. There's a reading plan. Did you see one of these? It's in the Friday email blast. You can get the PDF off our website. There's some hard copies in the back somewhere. I've got a stack of them right here. Ronnie's going to, who needs, who needs one of these? Who's like, I haven't seen that. I want a hard copy. I want a hard copy. Who needs a hard copy right now? Right here. Okay, so Ronnie, stand up. And people wave at Ronnie. Just run through the building like a child. Go ahead. Just run, like, right here, right here. Oh, sorry, right there. Sorry, I made eye contact with her. So uh, raise your hand if you want a hard copy. We're going to read through the scriptures together. There's a, several chapters a day. It's kind of brutal. Like, it's not easy. It's a lot of reading. And so if you get behind, you're a loser. No, if you get behind, <laughs> what happens is if you get behind, you just pick up the next day where you're supposed to be. And if you get four days behind and you're carrying that shame, like big old thing hanging around your neck. You're like, ah, I'm so, no, just start right there. Thank you, God, for new days, for new starts, and, uh, and jump right in, which says that we're actually in week, where are we right now? We're, we're finishing, today's the first day of week three. So if you're like, really? There's only eight weeks? I've missed two and a half weeks. I should just not do it. Well, that's no, no, you're not hearing me. Just jump in and start reading where we're at, okay? And we'll do it all together. So this is what we do, and this, this, this having summer in the scriptures is just our way every summer of reminding you we're people of God's word. We want you to know God's word. We want you to know God's word. We want you to be in God's word. We want you to understand God's word. We want you to be expo- exposed to God's word. We want you to get more oriented to God's word, okay? So that's what we're about. Make sense? And um, by the way, this time is kind of fun. We're calling the, the summer or the series eight verses that may change your life. Because there's eight weeks, and we put a little spot here for you to say, out of all those chapters, like 5, 10, 15, 20, 20, there's like 35 chapters this week we read. There's a verse in there that God's like, this one's for you. So memorize that verse together. And Ben kicked off our series last week talking about, we memorize all kinds of stuff. And so let's memorize God's word. Let's put some of that. Thank you, Ronnie, for that. And they're in the, at a table out in the lobby, if somebody else needs one. Okay. Uh, Ben started by talking about, you know, we memorize all kinds of stuff, so let's memorize some of God's word together. So I think it'd be really fun that, you know, each week you're like, I got a a verse memorized. And so, uh, and we know that if you put God's word in your mind and in your heart, it just may change your life. That's what it promises to do. And so that's what we're all about. And we won't, I promise, we won't be like, hey, what verse did you memorize this week? And then out you, because then you're going to feel terrible and never come back. And all the visitors are being like, I'm never going back to that church. So, um... But that's what this is all about, memorizing a verse after reading the text. Did you, were you here for Ben's sermon last week? Okay, if you were not here for Ben's sermon last week, it was unbelievable, okay? I've never seen anyone compromise their dignity to such a degree <laughs> for you. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you've got to go online and watch the video, okay? Um, I was ecstatic. It was brilliant. So um, that's what we're doing. Now, I'm down here. Um, I've just decided that when I preach on this, this summer series, I want to be down here. I want to turn on the lights. I want us to open the scriptures because it is just a blatant symbol 
that we're people with God's word open in our laps. That's who we are. So I want everybody to grab a Bible. We're going to be in my verse this week. Is, it's about good news. It's Mark 1.15. And uh, so turn to Mark 1. It's page 9, what, in the Bible? In your Bible from the church? Uh, 922. Turn to page 922 in the church Bible or on your electronics or whatever. I heard there's a movement of people that are kind of moving away from their electronic Bible and into their paper Bibles to kind of get a feel of this whole thing. I kind of like that. The pendulum swings, doesn't it? I didn't even bring my Bible. I didn't bring a paper Bible to Israel. Oh, no, no, I did. I did. I just didn't use it. Like, I, I just I carried around my electronic Bible, and I kind of, actually, I kind of regret that. I like having my paper Bible. But um, uh, Mark chapter 1. So this is my, my, my memory verse. Test me and see if I got it. The time has come, he said, and this is Jesus. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Did I get it? Okay, you want to do it with me? The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. I'll share that one with you. If you didn't get a memory verse, you can do that one if you'd like. This is about good news. It comes from Mark 1. I want to read some verses in Mark 1. We'll make some observations. And uh, when I run out of time, I'll stop talking. And this is, again, a symbol of what we do. We're people of God's word. We open it. We ask God to speak to us. And this is what we end up with. And this is what happened to me as I started reading um, the readings for this week. I couldn't get past this book, uh, this chapter, I mean. Because it starts this way, verse 1, Mark 1. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah. That's how he starts his book, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah. This is about good news. He begins to say, this book is going to be about good news. It's going to be good news because this Jesus, our Savior, is good news. Because this whole story is good news. The whole Bible is going to be good news. This whole sermon is going to be about good news. I couldn't get past that idea because I was about to say, God, we need good news. And this is the hope of the world that's contained in here, this idea that Jesus is who he says he is and who we long for him to be, and it's great news. And it just gave me pause, and I can you, are you already worried for me that I'm not going to get very far in our sermon, in our text? <laughs> it gave me pause because I thought, are we living good news? Are we living like it's good news? I've quoted Katie before, Katie Kearns. She said it again. I don't even know the context. I can't remember what the context was, but it was something about ministry and life in our church. And Katie just said, is, 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 is this his, where his, his yoke is easy and his burden is light? Because that's what he promises. This is good news. Are we living the truth that Jesus is good news? And this thing starts, and by the way, it's not just good news for you. It's good news for everybody that you long to love to see the best happen in their lives, for the world to be transformed. It's good news. This thing's good news. Are we living like it's good news? So that's why I was stuck there. But Mark says, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, make the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Who was he talking about there? Who was Isaiah? John the Baptist. Isaiah was prophesying that somebody was going to come ahead. And so then you see the next verse. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan. 
We've been in the Judean wilderness now. Any of you have been to Israel, that's, that's, that's the power of this experience. Like, I've been in the Judean wilderness. It's amazing. In fact, here's me in the Jordan River. You want to see a picture of me in the Jordan River? You guys, this is me swimming in the Jordan River. That means nothing for my sermon at all. It's just that I've been there. <laughs> How cool is that? I'm like, there's the Jordan River. We're going in. It was going, and we all went in. We all went swimming in the Jordan River. It's nasty, dirty, and it's full of plastic bottles. So there you go. Everybody came out. John was baptizing. John wore clothing. What verse is that? The numbers are too little, and I'm too old. Six? John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. So he was a normal guy. (laughs) Not, but what was happening was that God was doing a new thing, and he was raising up a voice to prepare the way for Jesus' message. Verse 7, and this was his message. After me comes the one comes one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness and he was In the wilderness, 40 days, being tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. Now, we've actually seen some of that teaching in other gospels more expanded. We see more of it in other gospels, some details. Verse 14, and after John was put in prison, because John was put in prison for preaching this good news, he was, people were coming, flocking to him, and uh, the leaders didn't like that. But after John was put into prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the what? The good news of God. And then read it with me. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Oh, but we got to read the next couple verses too. And as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, said Jesus, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he He saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. And without delay, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. And they also followed him. So this is Mark 1. I didn't read the whole chapter, but it just struck me that it sort of began in verse 1 with the good news. And then Jesus Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news. And then said again, repent and believe the good news. So this chapter apparently is about good news. What is the good news? You just read a whole bunch. What do you, what's the good news? What do you see here? Okay, Jesus is coming. What's good news? Forgiveness of sin, sorry. That he died for sin, right? That's all good news. Look at the text specifically how Jesus chose to characterize it. What do you see Jesus say the good news is? The kingdom is at hand. It's near. The kingdom is near. That's right. Jesus said the kingdom is near. The kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God has arrived. He said the time has come. This is the time now. 
The kingdom of God is here. And we've preached this. And I look back, we, in 2015, we did a whole series on what the kingdom of God was. And one of the messages is about the fact that the kingdom of God is at hand, that it's present, that it's right here. And so I don't want to spend too much time talking about that. But I want you to understand this idea that Jesus said, here's the good news. The kingdom of God has arrived. It's present with you. It's imminent. It's right now, right here among you. It's in your midst. The kingdom of God is in your midst. Now, what's the kingdom of God? What's the kingdom of God? Tell me a few things. What do you think the kingdom of God means? Somebody. Living with God. Okay. It's the presence of God. It's living in God's kingdom. Yep. What else? What's, what's the kingdom of God? Sorry? It's home. Okay. It's where we live. It's where we dwell. It's our home. How else would you describe the kingdom of God? Okay. The people of God. Exactly. Are among the people of God. It's where God's will is done because the king is exerting authority. Yeah, somebody else over here said something. Fellowship. Okay, fellowship, yep. Okay, heaven, right? It's, it's clearly not synonymous with heaven. It includes heaven because if it was heaven, Jesus wouldn't say it's right here except there's some of heaven right here, right? The kingdom of God is the king being with us. The kingdom of God being here is the king being with us. It's God's way happening among us. It's God's rule happening here. It's God's authority happening here. It's God's way being manifested among us. It's God being in charge of us here. That's what the kingdom of God is. It's the reign and the rule of God. And it's now here. The reign and rule of God is now here. And Jesus says, this is the good news. The good news, Jesus says, is that God's authority and way is among you now to be experienced. Now, we've preached about that before. The good news is that the kingdom of God has come near. And Jesus said, now's the time because it's through me, right? Now, my memory verse then, because we've preached on this idea, the kingdom of God is among us, is, is come near or is among us or is at hand, I want to look at the results of that. I want to see our response to that. Because if we were to ask the Bible study, the good Bible study question is, Jesus said, hey, good news, time has come. The kingdom of God is come near to you. We ask the good Bible study question, which is, so what? So what do we do? And what, look at the text, look at verse 15. What is it that Jesus, where does he go from there? He says, so here's the, re here's the response then. Here's the response that's required of you. The kingdom of God is at hand, so what? That is an awesome word. Repent. That's the first thing that Jesus says that we do. If the kingdom of God is among us, then we repent. There is no way to make that word any better than it already is. Repent. I wish it was a less Christian-y word. I wish it was a word that we used like in daily language so that we would be more comfortable with what it meant. There's no, none of you have used that word this week. None of you have said to your kid, what, you didn't clean up the dog poo in the backyard? Repent of that. None of you have said that. It just doesn't come out of our mouths. What does repent mean? Help me with it. A turning, a turning around. Never doing something again. Anybody have anything? Stop and change directions. Turn from sin toward God. That's beautiful. That's fantastic. You guys are like Bible dictionary humans. That's exactly what it means. Repent means turn around and go the other way. And specifically in, this in the Bible and in that context, Alex, specifically, it's turn back and go God's way. 
Think about the logic. If the good news is the kingdom of God, the rule and the reign and the authority of God is here now, then turn away from what is not the kingdom of God. Turn away from what's not under God's authority. Turn away from stuff that's not God's way. Get it? So repent is not just stop doing bad stuff. Repent is turn away from the stuff that's not God's way and come underneath the rule of God. So we're people, as a response, the text says, is part of the good news is, is that we go, oh man, I got to turn away from the stuff that's not God's way, from the stuff that's not under the authority of God, that's not under the rule of Jesus. I got to turn away from that stuff and turn toward the rule of God in my life. Does that make sense? If more of you nod, I'll stop and move to the next thing. If less of you nod, I'll just keep hammering it. We, we turn away from the stuff that's not under God's authority and rule, and we turn toward him and submit ourselves to him. Here's the question that we really should be asking. What are you repenting of today? I mean, we should be people of repentance because we're people who are constantly turning away from our rule and our authority and our self-governance and we're turning toward submitting ourselves to the rule and the reign of the kingdom of God. The good news is the kingdom is among us, so we got to turn toward that. I think we should be people who in the tip of our tongue, we're always consciously saying, I'm repenting of this, I'm repenting of this, and I'm repenting of this. Because that reeks of self-rule, self-governance, not God's way. Let's start, we'll go down the rows. What are you repenting of? You want to come to my office, we'll have a conversation. I'll tell you stuff that, I, that I'm repenting of that will make you blush. Because my life is not aligned with the authority of Jesus, my King. To be public about it, you could probably, let me, let me give you this one. You can probably re- resonate with this one. I have to repent of the fact that I will not just rest in trust in the Lord, that I'm constantly maneuvering, I'm constantly on alert, I'm constantly stressed out, I'm constantly over-controlling my life and my environment because I do not trust him, people. Kingdom of God is at hand. And I repent of the fact that I keep being in charge of my own life. Any control people in the house? Are we repenting people? It's good news. The kingdom of God has come near, so we repent. And then the second thing that goes along with it, he says, and and believe, right? You see that? Repent and believe. Then what does it say? What's the next few words? Believe the good news. Don't just, what do you believe? What am I supposed to believe? You're supposed to believe the good news. Repent and believe the good news. So if the good news is that the kingdom of God has come and we're to repent and believe the good news, then we're going to repent and turn away from self-rule, and we're going to say, then I will believe that the kingdom of God has come near. I will believe that God is in my midst. I will believe that God is my king. I'll believe that God is my redemptive good father king. I'll believe that God has everything that I need. You see it? What, what would it look like if we believed it, friends? What are some things that we would believe if we were to repent and believe? What would you believe? What would you believe if you could believe it in the depth of your being? What would you believe? That God has got this. What else? That God is enough. That God is enough. He that he exists, that he's real. He's invisible. It's hard to believe he's real sometimes. What else would you believe? That God's in charge. That God's in charge. 
that he's the prince of peace, that he brings peace, that he, lo- that he loves us. What if we believed all of those things? What if we really believed that he loves us and he cares for us, that he's got us, that he brings peace, that he exists, that he's real, that he's actually here, that he has come near. What would it be like if we believed that he was near? Remember the illustration I've shared with you before that the guy, my junior high youth worker, when I was in the junior high youth group, right when I became a Christian, he gave us a big eight by 10 picture of Jesus to carry around in a frame. And it was too big to fit in my locker. And he's like carried around for a week because Jesus is with you. I love the if ministry. Some of you are at if tables and have come to if pray or if gatherings. If, if is, it's a women's ministry that resources women. But they, the, the idea of if, it's if colon, because the idea is if this were real or if we believed this, what would it look like if we lived that way? What would my control issues look like if I believed that God's got this, that he loves me, that he's near, that he's present, that he brings peace? What would that look like? This is Jesus' response. The good news, the kingdom of God has come near, so repent and believe. Just like we're repenting, we're people that are repenting people, we're also believing people. And so maybe I just need to ask you this question this morning, and that is, how can you believe? How can you live like you believe it? How can you live into these truths that the kingdom of God has come near? Repent and believe, he says. Now, he goes on. He doesn't say this, but there's an implication in here for me. Here's a response that the good news is that the kingdom of God has come near, is that it's repent, believe, and be baptized. I put it in parentheses in my notes because it's sort of, there's baptism all through this text, and that's why I read the long stuff about John was preaching baptism for the repentance, uh, for repentance, for the forgiveness of sin. He was saying this baptism was a Jewish ritual, and John kind of ramped it up a little bit. But it was, it was this symbol of being washed clean, of, of an act of righteousness, of saying, I want to be righteous. And then it got translated even further, and Christians started baptizing. Jesus was baptized by John. And then right after that, you know, Jesus, at the end of his ministry, said, go make disciples of all nations and baptize them, what? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He ramped it up even further. He goes, there's a new way to be baptized. And then all through the rest of the New Testament, you see Peter, when he preached in Acts chapter 2, he said to the believers, they, they were, he was talking about Jesus being the Christ, and they were like, what do we do now then? What do we do? Acts 2.36, you got to find it. you got to look it up. And, and, and in Acts 2.36, they go, what do we do? And, and, uh, and Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Baptism was connected to this repentance and belief. There's a baptism piece in here. And then baptism for the church became after that one of the responses to believing this good news. And I, I raise it because it's all in the text and it's, and it's in our New Testament that it's, we may need to be baptized. We baptized a child today, first gathering that you missed. We dedicated Lola, we baptized a child, first gathering. And uh, here's what you need to know about baptism, friends. Baptism is the initiation of God's, uh, uh, into God's church by one of his believers. So it comes right after repent and believe and be baptized. And so um, we had not only a baptism today, but the child's mom renewed her baptismal vows. And together they were taking a stand to say, this is what I believe and this is what I'm about. And so I just raise it because it's part of our response to this good news that the kingdom of God is near. And some of you may need to be baptized and some of you, or some of you may need to be renewed in your baptismal vow that says this, 
this is what I believe, this is who I am, I'm all about it. I'm all about it. I'm all in. This is my identity. There's all these other parts of me that are true, but this is my identity, that I once was dead and I have been raised to life and Christ has made me clean. And I live in that good news. We can't be experiencing, we can't be good news people without repentance, without living like it's true, this belief, and without being baptized. And so it's not required for salvation, but maybe some of you need to be baptized and some of you need to respond uh, and renew all of your baptismal vows. That maybe even today you're like, man, I gotta remember my baptism today. I gotta live like this is true of me. It's my identity. But part of what I love about, there's a metaphor around baptism that may be related to uh, being in a human relationship that I kind of like. Think about the uh, metaphor of uh, or the process of being in a human relationship. When you fall in love with somebody, there's a first step, and that's where you admit to yourself, oh, I love them. It's the same way with Christianity. You're like, I think I, think I love Jesus. I, I think that I, I understand some of this stuff. I think that this is what I want to be about. And there's this beginning, there's this bud of uh, budding of, of love inside. Like, I think I love I love. And then the second stage of the human relationship is then to admit it to the object of your affection. The first date's usually too early, but at some point, <laughs> you go, I love you. And it's the same way in our relationship with God. We become worshipers. We go, I think I believe this. Like, I think I love Christ. And then we say, Jesus, I, I love you and I worship you and I'm all about you and I want to give my life to you. And at some point in the metaphor, in a human relationship, we then come and declare publicly that we love this other person. And you could even go so far as to say the ceremony of marriage would be that thing. To say, hey, world, I'm all about this. This is what my heart is. This is what I'm for. This is what identifies me from this day forward. You don't have to be married to resonate with that metaphor to understand that there would be a time of public, understand, a public commitment to Jesus to say, uh, hey, church, world, friends, family, this represents me and what I'm about and what I want to do. That I want to die to myself and be raised to receive the life of Christ, forgiven a relationship with God. We believe in our church in our denomination, along with the mainstream of Christian thought forever, that, um, that there's, this is a sacrament, meaning there's a means of grace. There's something special that happens when we go through the baptismal experience. I say all that uh, because we don't talk about baptism that often. I want to invite you to consider being baptized or consider renewing your baptismal vows because you may have been raised, baptized as a child or maybe a young person, and not lived into the truth of that for many, many years. And this has been a season of you coming back and saying, uh, that's me. I'm in. I'm his. I'm a believer, and the church is my people. So we'll do a baptism service on September 10th. We'll announce it for you, and, and if you want to be baptized, it'll be great for you to sign up. But that's part of the good news. Repent, believe, and be baptized. And the last one is to be with Jesus. I say that because those last few verses, if you look at them, Jesus talks about this good news and then, he, and then it goes about him calling his first disciples, first Peter and Andrew and then James and John and he calls them to come be with him. In fact, in Mark 3, restating him calling all of his disciples, Jesus, it says that Jesus appointed 12 to be with him. 
This is a lot like Ben's sermon last week. I listened to Ben's sermon after I had already read the scripture, listened to the Lord, heard what I, what I, what I thought you, that I should be telling you, and I realized Ben's sermon was much like it. Matthew 16, 24 last week was much like this sermon. His verse was, his memory verse was, if anyone would come after me, he must de- deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Something like that, right? That was my, not my verse, but... Deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. There's the same following. There's the, this following comes afterward. And I thought, gosh, that's a lot like Ben's sermon. Maybe I should do something different. And then I thought, no, maybe the church needs to hear it twice. <laughs> that we become followers of Christ. The good news is that we get to be with him. Friends, I just wanted to ask you that question. Do you live with him? You see, the Holy Spirit comes to indwell believers not so that we can then be somehow um, moral or somehow know the teaching of Jesus better. The Holy Spirit comes so that we might be with God, present, the kingdom of God coming near. And so we become people who walk with him and are transformed by him, people who hear him and who are changed by him. People who can listen to his voice on a daily basis, learn to hear God's leading, and people who experience power from God that we could never have you know, generated ourselves. This is good news. Well, when I look at this text, my memory verse, Jesus said, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. So repent and believe and parenthetically be baptized, as he goes on to teach later. And come follow me. Come be with me. All of those things together is Jesus saying, your response to the good news? Come be mine. Come be about me. Our response, church, this morning out of this text is to say, am I his? Am I all his? Am I all in for him? Is this my identity and my desire and my direction and my purpose and my effort? Is this me? Am I his? Because it's good news. May we return to it again and again, and especially this week as we studied this text.